Welcome to the Warner Brothers Podcast. My name is Keenan, joined by my brother Kyle, joined by Timmy. How are you guys doing? Obviously a wonderful weekend of football. How'd you guys enjoy it? Had a good time. I, I mean, I enjoyed most of the games. Half the games were kind of mm-hmm. trash, hard to pick them. Um, a lot of teams showed up. A lot of yeah, teams did fair, not show up. Very fair. Kyle, how about you? Yeah, this weekend very much felt like Christmas Eve to next weekend's Christmas. Uh, I just was anticipating next weekend the entire day. Uh, I anticipated the games being a little better, but I mean, it wasn't terrible. It wasn't terrible. It was, you never know what you're getting with week 18. Yeah, there's so so many backups at play. There's so many games where that people are sitting, but then there's games where people need it and matter when half the teams need it or half the side of the team matters, like in the, you have some bench players, some starters. So it's definitely difficult. It's definitely a weird week to like better do anything like that on. But without further ado, I know Timmy, you got yourself a question here. Uh, you got something you want to propose to us. So let's you have you just start in on that. All right. So in 2020, a COVID year. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers started out the mm-hmm. season 11-0, and and everybody was on their tail about them being a fraudulent team. They ended up finishing that year 12-4 and with a first-round exit in the playoffs to the Browns, yeah, led by Baker Mayfield. Show. Now, big show. I want to compare this team to this year's mm-hmm. Philadelphia Eagles, who started out the mm-hmm. season 10-1, and kind of have fraudulent offense, kind of worried about the team at least, had a really tough end of their season, and then in the first round of the playoffs, they will face Baker Mayfield and the Buccaneers. So could history repeat itself? What do you guys think? Um, I'm not going to give a definitive on it yet because I'm a little still up in the air and if I feel it 100%, but history is absolutely on the line and absolutely available to repeat itself. 100%. It is all there. Eagles just got dog walked by the Giants. And that was a game that they wanted to play in. I understand they were missing people. Then you have A.J. Brown, who's hurt. He might not be able to play. We don't know yet. Devontae Smith banged up. The DeAndre or Devontae Smith, DeAndre Swift, Jalen Hurts. The whole entire team's banged up. The defense is not good. So this is definitely a spot where the Buccaneers should not be taken lightly. And I don't think anybody around the globe thinks that they are. So easily could be yeah i feel a few ways about this game i mean it's one of the games i'm having the most problem capping for this weekend honestly uh but i have a problem with it getting the monday night slot because i think it's actually the worst game that we got the entire weekend i think that should be the first game of the whole weekend the 4 30 slot on saturday I wish we would have got Green Bay and Dallas on Monday night. Um, But, I mean, look, the Buccaneers did everything they could to lose yesterday versus the Panthers, who are probably the worst team in the league. Like, they did everything 
to not win that game. I mean, they only scored three field goals. Uh, the Panthers actually coughed up two scores. I think one of their touchdowns got called back, and then they fumbled on the goal line. Uh, they just did everything they could lose because, you know, they're the Panthers. So, honestly, like, if the Buccaneers win that game, like, 24 nothing or 24-7, I'd probably be ready to pick them over the Eagles. But they didn't look any better than Philly has looked over the last couple of weeks. And, of course, they lost to the Saints just last week as well in a, you know, a game they could have put the division away. So I'm not feeling good about either one of the Eagles or the Bucks right now. So I'm having trouble. Yeah, analyzing uh, it's going to be it's one that's right interesting. Now. The Bucks have obviously been playing better as of late than the Eagles. I believe the Eagles are one in five in their last six. The, uh, the Buccaneers are four one in their last five. So you're right, though. They're coming off of a win where they were pedestrian at absolute best. They just didn't play a good game at all. It was nine nothing, but they still have been as a collect, still collectively have been playing better than the Eagles. So, but at the same time, Eagles do have more wins. There, they went to the Super Bowl last year, played in that game, was hung tight with the Chiefs the entire game. So it's gonna be interesting to see. But I like the comparison to me a lot. It's definitely very, very interesting. So uh, we have one of two things. I have something that's gonna that I have a question for the playoffs. I can either ask that now, or we can talk a lot of these eight week eighteen stuff, and then Let's go. Hear into it. The it depends on what you want to go. All right. Well, let's hear the question. It's a list, and then basically the question is how much you guys agree, how much you guys don't agree with the list. So I was going through, and Trevor Lawrence got me thinking about it because I was like, where would I rank now, Trevor Lawrence, after this season? in the NFL quarterback hierarchy because unlike any other sport one season in the NFL can change make your rate go up and down drastically I mean Lamar going into his unanimous MVP season people would have been like borderline-ish top 10 because he didn't really have it at that point and then he came into that season you're like okay is he the best quarterback in the league and so like obviously one season changes so much but Halfway through it, I was like, you know what? I don't want to really talk about some of these quarterbacks that aren't going to be in the playoffs. So I ranked the 14 quarterbacks that are in the playoffs from 14 to 1. I'll give it to you now, and then you guys can kind of adjust. Um, my rating-wise, my rating wise, kind like of, it. obviously, credentials, resume, and all that kind of stuff matters, and also how you're playing now matters too. So both of them mixed in. I would say like 80% of who you are, 20% of how you're playing, I would say would be kind of what I mix, maybe, maybe 85, 15 ish. So here we are at 14. I don't think it's a conversation. It's Mason Rudolph. 14 is Mason Rudolph. He's the worst quarterback. Um, 13. I have Joe Flacco. So Joe Flacco was playing very not fight good football over 300 yards a game. He does turn the ball over a lot. He has eight touchdown, eight interceptions over his five games. I have everyone's five game like yards, touchdowns, turnovers, and record here listed down. But Joe Flacco would be thirteen for me right now. Anyway, and feel free to interrupt me at any point. Uh, Twelve right now. I do have Baker. Uh, he's been playing really well. But that was also who he is, and the quarterbacks that are above him, you have a lot. There's one that I could switch with him, but it's interesting. And it's 11. I have Tua. So Tua Tungavailoa at 11. 
At 10, I've got Jared Goff. At 9, I have Jordan Love. At 8, I have Jalen Hurts. 7, I have Brock Purdy. 6, I have CJ Stroud. 5, I have Dak Prescott. 4, I have Matthew Stafford. 3, I have Josh Allen. 2, I have Patrick Mahomes. And 1, I have Lamar Jackson. I think the only change that jumps out immediately to me is maybe I would flip Goff with Love. Goff did win the division. Uh, I would say in large part to how he handled the offense, really. I mean, obviously they got playmakers all over, but um, him winning the division, granted Jordan Love is emerging, certainly, but that would be my only change. But I don't really have any disagreements. Maybe uh, that Baker that was, Tua one's interesting. That was the other you can make one a case for was... Baker. I mean, obviously he played like shit yesterday and didn't mm-hmm. play great last week. But I mean, hey, I mean, you want to say you said you mentioned earlier, like Trevor Lawrence skeptic, like two is one where I'm just like, all right, he'll have a great game. But then I'll see him do something where I'm like, man, I don't know about this guy (laughs) at all. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I can definitely make the case like you did for him to be outside of the top 10. That's really interesting. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I definitely agree with the fact that Tua and Baker, I mean, as I said, I was like, you could argue Baker is ahead of this guy at 10, like. At eleven, but um, yeah, he Tua. The thing about Tua is he is a guy who is too good to completely pass on, and absolutely should be a starter in the NFL. But you're not sure is good enough if you have to give him a big time, big time quarterback contract. But you also don't want to just give him up because you're not always gonna, you're not gonna find too much that's just better instantly. So he's in that weird middle ground of quarterbacks where you're like, do we pay him? Do we not pay him? Because if we do pay him, I don't know if he gets us there. If we don't pay him, he might be the best quarterback option we possibly can get. So he's a he's one of those weird in-between quarterbacks that if I'm in Miami front office, those are the tough ones that I don't want to – that's hard to make. Uh, Timmy, what are your thoughts, though? Oh, sorry, Kyle, you go. Can I give you a – can I give you a two I love comparison? comparisons, absolutely. It's going to be a little different because he's more athletic than this quarterback I'm about to name. Uh, his arm talent's better. And he's probably just all around better, but he reminds me of this quarterback in the fact that he does not go off script well. When everything sticks to the script, he's great. When it, you can't skip stick to the script, it gets a little fuzzy, but he might win you a lot of games, and that's Jimmy G. I think Tua is like the more athletic, better version of Jimmy G in that aspect that, you know, if you got to ad lib, if you got to create, that's where it really gets ugly. That's where the picks come from. That's where these boneheaded decisions come from. Whereas you stick to the system, Jimmy and uh, Tua, it's going to look pretty damn good. You're going to look like a contender every once in a while. In Jimmy G's case, you know, he did lead some contending teams, but, you know, he definitely has his limitations. And I think Tua's in that same class as far as the limitations go. Jimmy's... Pretty much Jimmy's peak is Tua. If I had to say, like, kind of, and, like, that's not, like, the highest of peaks, but, like, Jimmy's peak is Tua, and their floors are semi-similar. So I don't even, I actually like that comparison. But, Timmy, what did you think list-wise? Would you change anything up and down movements? Um, I think 
if we're going to have Purdy at seven, that's kind of where I would fit Jared Goff in and then have Jalen Hurts and Jordan Love like flip-flop maybe or like keep them where they are, honestly. But like to me, Jalen Hurts without the tush push is way further down this list. Um, you're taking away like his rushing ability or to score touchdowns at least. Um, he just really hasn't looked like the quarterback we saw last year. You know, last year you'd probably have him top four, 100%, but now it's just not even close. Um, Jared Goff has his bad games, but so does Jordan Love, um, and that's why I would probably have Goff ahead of Love. It's just because we've seen Jordan Love's worst, and it's like they lose to the Giants, whereas actually Goff lost to Jordan Love, so I can't really make that argument yep. anymore. But I don't know. I would have Jared Goff at eight. And then the other two. No, I absolutely, I don't, I don't disagree with That's that do. at all. To be honest with you, I think the Brock Purdy, Jordan Love, Jared Goff, Jalen Hurts, you could kind of organize that in a lot of ways. If you had jo- Jordan Love at the bottom because of the fact he's young, don't know what he's going to be like in big spots. Okay, if you had him higher because you see the talent that he has right now, I would be okay with that. Um, to me, as long as to me, I think the top six are definitive. The only guy I guess you could probably talk to me about would be Brock Purdy, possibly switching with Stroud, just because obviously Brock's been playing really well. But again, I just think Stroud, looking at him and how he plays, is better. I think if Stroud was on this San Francisco 49er team, I'd have even more confidence in him than I would with Brock Purdy. And not that Brock Purdy's bad at all. Just the way kind of Tua, when you go off script with him, she was kind of like can be iffy with Brock Purdy so far. It seems like when he kind of has to go truly off script, it hasn't really worked out well where CJ Stroud, if you've, we've seen him have to go off script. We've seen him have to make a lot of comebacks in a different kind of situation without a good, without a great offensive head coach. D'Amico Ryans is a very good defensive head coach. Um, you see what he's done already. So, but what were you saying, Kyle? I would have to say, uh, just to boost Goff up, I mean, you did say the majority of this list is based off accomplishment more than play yeah, right now. Goff being in a Super Bowl and the last two seasons that Goff has had, I mean, I think he has to be considered for the top six. I would have him not necessarily ahead of Stroud, but definitely ahead of Purdy. I would have him ahead of that group. I would have Goff at least at six or seven. Stroud, you can put wherever, really, because, I mean, we just don't know. We really don't know. I mean... Looks good so far, but he's got that Cleveland defense. Uh, I mean, look at Lamar. Lamar's look great in the regular season, postseason not so much. And I don't think any of us would necessarily call Lamar not clutch either or anything like that. Like, sometimes your luck just kind of runs out. I mean, look at Peyton Manning, right? Uh, but Purdy, I could slide down a few spots. That's really all I'd say. Like, in general, that list is is pretty decent. But listening to Tim's explanation with Goff and that group in general and what he said about Jalen Hurts, and maybe he is getting more smoke this way, but I wonder why. Like, from what I've seen, I've seen a lot of people just do the whole, like, oh, Purdy wouldn't be this or that without his supporting cast. Like, no shit. That's what makes the Niners great is the fact that they do have an all-star cast, yeah. right? Uh, why isn't Hurts getting that same... Like, he didn't get that same hate last year, I feel like. I feel like a lot of people praised Hurts in that situation. Now that he's playing bad, people are saying he's hurt. I don't really hear people shitting on him too much, but... Aside from Eagles fans, I should say. Eagles fans, no one's harder on their own team than Eagles fans. But I feel like Hurts, 
like he's got a ton of talent around him just like purdy does like why doesn't he get that same rip that purdy does people seem a little quicker to hate on purdy of course are the number no, one there, seed I get there's it, quarterbacks but. that people love to hate on there's quarterbacks that people give absolutely massive passes to patrick mahomes as we've talked about gets complete passes when sometimes he should be graded he should be graded higher than other people because of how great he is uh justin herbert's another quarterback that doesn't really get talked about like he should get talked about but then someone like lamar jacks he, he gets, he gets but more Lamar Jackson, than anybody. Lamar Jackson can do anything Nobody and he's going to get talked like, about. Uh, it's because there's so many Lamar skeptics that are like, oh, he's not quarterback. If you guys saw that uh, conversation by the, from the Fox sports lady, but like, mm-hmm. so like Lamar Jackson, someone like that, Josh Allen is like 70, uh, probably 80, 20, where like his Josh Allen skeptics are as loud as can be, but the Josh Allen supporters are just more of them. Because people, like, sometimes he can't do any wrong. Um, Dak Prescott's another one who, whenever he does something bad, he's going to get killed for it. Like, he, Dak gets killed a lot. And you're right. I think. That comes that, with being no, a quarterback in the Cowboys, though. He gets killed, but he also gets praised. And that just comes, that literally comes from the star on his helmet. If he was wearing any other helmet, then it wouldn't be the same way. So, yeah, absolutely. And then we've got someone like Jalen Hurts, where we don't know if last year was a trend or a blip. Like, I mean, in his starting, he started, it will take his three starting years. Two years ago, in 2021, 16 touchdowns, nine picks, 87 quarterback rating. Last year, uh, 22 touchdowns, 6 picks, 101 quarterback rating. This year, 23 touchdowns, 15 picks, 89 quarterback rating. So he went back to what he pretty much was in his first year fully starting. Is this just a down year and was he actually hurt? Or is this just who he was and he had a perfect storm of a great coaching staff, uh, first year with A.J. Brown, had a great running game with Miles Sanders, who ran great last year. Devontae Smith being there, Dallas Goddard, everybody being healthy. Like, it was it all just that together, or was it actually that Jalen Hurts is very special? We'll see. We'll see. So, Jalen Hurts next year is who, like, I'm really, really interested to, uh, really, really interested to see. And we'll see if people start to give him some of that true quarterback, um, criticism and true quarterback uh grading on that quarterback curve that he should be graded on right right now but speaking of someone else i'm gonna let you guys sound off on trevor lawrence if you guys have stuff you want to say about trevor unless kyle you had something to say prior i just want to respond to hurts i just want to say i do think it's a little bit of both uh i do think he's certainly grown since his rookie year uh but last year yeah i mean they had an easy schedule and they had everybody healthy on offense. Like, they did not really suffer any injuries, major injuries that I can think of on offense, whereas this year, of course, they're banged up. Um, I mean, that's what you should do. I mean, look, I mean, we we compare to Brady all the time. I compare Hurts a lot to the early Russell Wilson years. Like, he had a ton of talent around him, and that only made his job easier, and he grew into the quarterback that once upon a time was elite. And Hurts can be on that tr- – like, Hurts is still mad young. Like, he's still yeah, what, absolutely. 24, 25. Like, he's still got – years ahead of him to grow and I believe he will I think he'll make that leap um but no I don't think he's in a position to where he can handle adversity well compared to someone like 
a Stafford, right? Mm-hmm. Or a prime Stafford. You know what I mean? An elite quarterback or a Mahomes even. Um, you know, I say Mahomes, but he's not really handling adversity well at all right now. But you get my point here. A better quarterback can make up for mistakes. Hurts really ain't at that position yet. But he is athletic and he can make up with it, it with his feet. It's so weird because like for the totality of games, I don't fully feel like he can elevate at that level yet. But if you have one drive at the end of the game, I feel oddly confident in him. Like it's it's weird. Like he has like this kind of like in between. Like so like he's a gamer. Jose, I said this right after the uh, Chiefs win when they just wrote, I was like he just fine or in the Bills win too. It's like he just finds a way to win. So he's just a winner and he play like he's a great football player. But he needs to become a great quarterback. It was the same thing that with Lamar. Lamar, when he came into the league, was a great football player and a good quarterback. I think now he's a great quarterback plus being a great football player. So rings in between both. But um, where do you guys want to go next? I'm, I'll let you guys pick where we're going. I figured you mentioned Trevor Lawrence. About this guy, the boy. Um. I mean, I think there's a misnomer here as far as like my thing has never been Trevor Lawrence. It's been really the Jaguars as a whole. Uh, I don't think they've been crisp. I mean, last year they were the definition of feast or famine. You know what I mean? And they kind of limped into the playoffs like they backed their way into the playoffs, actually. And they really only win that Chargers game because their coaches, the opposite coach was Brandon Staley. Um, As far as Trevor Lawrence goes, though. Actually, let me keep it with the Jags. Let me just keep it consistent. I don't think I picked the Jags for the division before you the did. year. You did. You picked them by I default. Did, I can't remember, but I didn't give them a good record. I think, yeah, I think I gave them like nine and eight, which I think that's what they ended up you with. You had them and, at 10 uh, and seven. I remember Sorry. saying after that stretch, uh, you had that them London stretch, seven. like, damn, that's tough wins. Yeah. Damn, 10 and damn seven. Same thing, 10 and seven, so yeah. it was a game off. It was a game off. I just remember saying after that rough stretch they had during the season, that yes. I was impressed with them. I was impressed with the wins because I think they won four straight at one point in a very difficult part of the schedule where you could conceivably say one and three, oh and four. And I was impressed, but I remember saying to you guys, like, why am I not as confident in them as even a Miami or a Buffalo? Like, so this has been consistent really since last year because I don't think they've grown up as a team, even with that playoff appearance. Um, and Trevor Lawrence, if we're going to go back to him, Keenan, I remember his rookie year. Obviously, under Urban Meyer, he he faced the Pats, and I was like, man, like I didn't see anything from him that game, like at all, that made me understand why he was number one. You know, I don't I don't watch a lot of college football, and we've talked about on here how he was compared to Andrew Luck, the best prospect since this or that. I just remember being like, you know, back we're doing just audio podcasts, being like, yeah, I can see like he's he's athletic, but I don't I don't see what all the hype's about. But you know, that's a very small sample. And then obviously as these games of importance have risen, I still haven't seen specialness, you know, that you see from Lamar. You don't see, you know, elite, elite talent. You see tools. For sure you see tools. He's definitely athletic. He's definitely got arm talent. He's got a quick release. But I've never seen that like, okay, we got a dog here. Like you said about Jalen Hurts. Okay, we're down six. We got a score here. We're down three, da-da-da. It's go time. Like, I don't, I haven't seen that with Trevor Lawrence yet. So I think he's pretty good. I just don't think he's what he's been hyped to be. That's my only thing. And, uh, you know, you saw yesterday 
what you've gotten under Trevor Lawrence and Doug Peterson. It's just not consistent, and that's where they are, and that's fine. Uh, but you know, just not what he was hyped to be. So, uh, Timmy, I'll let you speak before three. I go on. I got two things. One, um, social media like TikTok has now caught on to this of people saying maybe Trevor Lawrence isn't that dude. I just want to give credit to Kyle because he's been saying it for probably about two months now where he just didn't have the feeling that he was the dude. And then all it took was them missing the playoffs against a team that they should have beat easily to really convince people on social media. So credit to Kyle. Um, My other thing is I am so confused about what the Jaguars are going to do when it comes time to extend him. What's he going to get paid? Is he even going to be there? Like I would expect them to re-sign him, but like if I'm the Jags and we get another year of this next year, I don't know. Like that doesn't look like the quarterback that's leading our future for the next 10 years. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see where they go on him because Next year is going to be the complete. This is going to be his big, obviously the biggest season probably of his career until maybe later on in the season. But probably this could be the biggest season of his career. It's going to be the money making season. It's going to be the legacy ish defining season of kind of. I mean, you can always change and rewrite your history because you have plenty of years to play. But will people write you off? Are you going to be kind of labeled that bust? Are you going to prove to everybody else of what you are? Can you handle the pressure? Are you going to crumble under it? Because if he was even talked about like Baker Mayfield coming out when he went number one, like pretty good quarterback, or Jared Goff, pretty good quarterback. Um, He definitely could be a franchise guy. We think he could be a pro bowler one day, uh, can make all the throws. We'll see how he develops in the league and see how he can change with the speed. We'd probably be like, uh, Trevor Lawrence, we've got to talk about him a little bit, but he definitely needs to progress and get better in the offseason. You can't say you're a top five prospect with the greats of the greats, and then you saw what John Elway was instantly. You saw what Peyton Manning was instantly, even though his rookie season was tough, but you saw what Peyton Manning was. You saw flashes. You saw what Andrew Luck was instantly. He's not a number one pick, but you see what C.J. Stroud was. You even saw it with Burrow. Like, I know he got injured first year, but he was 13 touchdowns, five picks. And the second that he came in the next year, coming off an injury, took his team to the Super Bowl. And we've seen it ever since with Burrow. His problem's just been a little bit of injury. But you see it with all these guys that are that guy. You're like, okay, we know it early. Even if they're not putting up the stats, you just see it in the play. And with him, unfortunately, with Trevor thus far, we haven't seen it in the play, not just the stats. The stats don't have to wow me for me to know that you're good. That that stats kind of come from situations. Like Brock Purdy doesn't always wow me, but the stats are amazing. The stats are wowing stats. But Brock Purdy, he does definitely. I'm not trying to make it sound like he doesn't because he plays that system perfectly. And sometimes he'll make a throw where you're like, oh, my goodness. But then other times it's like, okay, there's a little bit more that could be had there. Just a little bit with him. But it's Brock plays his system great. So I can't, I don't want to say anything bad about him or anything, but Trevor just needs to, if he's going to be hyped up like that guy, he needs to play like that guy. I got a few responses. Uh, One, I think one thing that hinders him 
besides the OC. I think their OC is terrible. They fired their defensive coordinator, funny enough, out of all things. Um, Doug Peterson's got to be in the hot seat next year. I don't care if he's got a Super Bowl ring. That ring looks worse and worse. The year is removed from it. And, of course, that happened at the expense of Mine and Keenan's team. Uh, so it just feels worse and, that was and worse. Tom the Brady's best run. Uh, Doug Peterson, like aside from that year, hasn't been really good. He's been about average. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> yeah, they put up over 600 yards of that game and found a way to lose thanks to Matt Patricia, who you know. Bill Belichick sat Malcolm Butler Patricia, too. Don't get me started on that. Coordinator now. <laughs> uh, but oh boy, we should have won that game. Should have won that game without Malcolm Should've, Butler, to be honest. But that's that's a conversation for a whole other day. But could have, could have. But uh, Doug Peterson, like I think, you got a lot of talent on that roster, and Trevor Lawrence for sure has to be better. But if you got a coach in there like Jim Harbaugh, you're looking at a contending team, and uh, they're probably not going to fire Doug. They would have already. Black Monday's actually been pretty quiet, aside from Arthur Smith and Ron Rivera, but. Um, you know, the fact that they're probably going to miss out on Harbaugh. Harbaugh is probably going to come in this year. But, I mean, they could – I don't know who will be on the market next year, but you give that team a coach, you give Trevor Lawrence a coach, I'm buying stock in him. And, uh, you know, it's almost a good thing because I think after this year, that star will dim a little bit. That hype will dim a little bit. I think he would be worth his next contract. I think he's he's someone who would come back to bite you, not in the competitive sense, but just in the talent sense. I don't think we're talking about someone like Jay Cutler here. This could be someone like Stafford. I won't call Stafford a late bloomer, but he found most of excuse me his success later in his career. So maybe Trevor Lawrence. We're talking about year five, six, seven, where he and really that's a phenomenal so, career. Uh, I'm not too worried about him long term, but right now, nah, he's not one of. Yeah, no, I think he's still going to be good. I just don't think he's that guy right now. But am I buying stock in him long term? Yes, I am. Right now, no, he's not, you know, what Andrew Luck was or, you know, a few of these other guys. But and then to answer, you know, the other question about his contract, I mean, I'll let Brandon Petty tell it on Thursday when he joins us, Jaguars fan himself. But he was, <laughs> he was obviously all upset yesterday. And he was like, man, honestly, I don't know if Trevor Lawrence is worth $50 million. And I did not let him expand on that. I told him to save all that for Thursday. But he, he led with that. I love it. He led with that. I love it. So I'll just say that. I love it. Okay. So do you want to start? I mean, not that we're going to give our picks right now. Did you want to go into our bold predictions from uh, our, our predictions from week 12 season awards, how they, um, how they compare to what we actually thought right now? Or did you want to talk any more about any of the games this weekend? We can talk about, I was going to say we, Miami you know what? Buffalo. We'll touch on. I mean, if we talk about like the games, if we talk about the games, yeah, if we talk about the games coming up, I think we'll kind of de facto like talk okay. about some of the games from this past weekend, because um, we can give a mini preview yeah. without getting into predictions. Um, let's do that. Let's. Uh, so, how do you guys feel about these matchups? I already talked about Philly and the Bucks. How I'm not really in love with that matchup. Granted, that should be an entertaining game anyway. I'd just rather have it. 4.30 on Saturday, which, by the way, fun fact, all of Houston, all of their playoff games have been played at that 4.30 slot. They've never played in another game, at least on wildcard weekend. Uh, divisional weekend, obviously, they played at a different time slot. But wildcard weekend, always the 4.30 slot. So, but 
How do you guys feel about the rest of the matchups? Which matchup are you looking most forward to? Do you have any gripes with the schedule like myself? Tell me. You, Tim. I feel like most of the games that we're getting are, they might not be like, like you said, how the Bucks and Eagles kind of sounds like a down game, but at least there's like history or something, you know, where like I brought up the Steelers and, in Baker Mayfield. There's at least that aspect to it. The Lions play the Rams. So Matt Stafford gets to go back to Detroit, um, you know, homecoming game. The Packers get the Cowboys. So Mike McCarthy gets a homecoming game. You know, every game kind of has some sort of reason that you would want to watch it other than it just being a playoff game. Um, so I'm excited for every single game. I think every single one can be interesting. Um, I think I'm excited most for the Lions Rams game just because I really think both of those teams have a shot going to the Super Bowl. So whichever one makes it out is gonna have, you know, momentum hopefully, and maybe they, they carry it right up to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Um that would be one of the games I'm most interested in. For I'm sure, for sure. I'm kind of I kind of like a lot of these games. Take Pittsburgh Buffalo out of it unless Pittsburgh just Unless Buffalo kind of just rolls over, and because I don't think T.J. Watt's playing, and if that's the case, I really don't see how Pittsburgh has a way of winning that game. But you never know; the Bills always can find a way to try to build something up. So they that game could be more interesting. That can <laughs> they have like they're not as bad as the Cowboys in like this era, but they they can Bills like way they can Bills their way out of some wins. So um, that one could be a little interesting. A lot of these games have a bunch of cool storylines to it. So you have like, how far can CJ Stroud go or how far can Flacco go? What's the better story there as a quarterback? Uh, Tyreek Hill going to KC to play him in the playoffs. They already played earlier, but I was in Germany. Um, can Mike McDaniels and uh, Tua Bailoa get this offense going against that Chiefs defense? Obviously, Green Bay is playing Dallas going into that Green Bay game. Obviously, you have the history of the Dez Cotton game. You have the Jared Cook game. So Green Bay and Dallas have a lot of history there as well. And then, obviously, if it'd be cool if the Lions won the Super Bowl this year just because like that would be the definition of a trade that went perfect for both teams. You had the In the short term, you had the Rams – they had a better chance, obviously, with Stafford than they won the Super Bowl with Stafford. In the long term, Jared Goff was able to get the uh, Lions to the Super Bowl there. You don't know if you can with Stafford because of the picks and everything that were accrued because Jared Goff was on a lesser team. So a lot of very, very interesting storylines this weekend, and I'm here for all of them. So I'm excited. I think my I think the most underrated game that could be really good is Browns and Texans. And it's just because I think C.J. Stroud could be, if he can go into Cleveland, into the dog pound that's going to be riled up and get a They're W. Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah, sorry. They are playing at home. My bad. Sorry, 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 sorry. They have the better record. Um, division the winner. Browns have the better record. But, yes, they're the division winner. So they're going to be at home. That makes this even better. Oh, boy. Oh boy, and that defense doesn't travel the same. I could, oh boy, yeah, that's gonna be fun. That's gonna be fun. I can't wait for that. Uh, but yeah, so this weekend I'm feeling great about all the games, every game. 
Yeah, I can't wait. It's a great slate. I actually think it's probably the best round of matchups we could have gotten. Uh, maybe replacing Pittsburgh, but Pittsburgh's done well enough. And of course, like you said, like TJ Watt, we're probably not going to have him. That makes that game that much more intriguing. So that by default might be the least intriguing. Actually, you can make the case for them being the 430 slot on uh, on Saturday. But I think yeah. that Browns-Texans game is in the running for best game of the weekend. Um, I'm disappointed about Chiefs-Dolphins for a number of reasons. Number one being the Peacock only. Uh, me and Tim talked about this earlier, actually, when I ran into him. Um, and it just sucks. Like, if Miami had their full squad or at least didn't even get half as injured as they have these last few weeks, like, just saved a couple of guys, this game's that much more intriguing. Uh, it's going to be anywhere. The offense should be there. You would think that, but it's going to be. defense is what sucks. It's going to be anywhere between negative 5 and 10 degrees. So it's going to be. A game that's very much in uh, the Chiefs' favor, especially the way Pacheco's been running. But the Dolphins will be able to run. Oh, the I just ball. meant off. I meant injury wise. True. I just true, meant true. injury wise. Like Raheem Mostert should be back. Uh, Jalen Waddle should be back. I just meant injury wise. True. Because defensively, losing Bradley Chubb might be the end of the season. But offensively, sure. they should be fully healthy, which would make them more a more formidable opponent against the Chiefs. Yeah, they're at least going to be able to run. I don't know. I'm very skeptical. I, you know, I was very ready to pick against the Chiefs yeah. this weekend, and everything's falling their way for me not to pick against them. Uh, but Miami, weirdly, still has more than a snowball's chance. But again, then you've got the weather where it's terribly cold, like terribly cold. So I don't know. That game is going to be very much interesting, much like the rest of the slate. Green Bay, Dallas. Uh, that uh, I don't think it's going to happen, but imagine if they got upset. We'll just say, imagine if Dallas got upset by Green Bay again and they broke their hearts again. Imagine that. Uh, and, you know. It's on the table. It's on the table, slightly. It's on slightly. the table. It's like, uh, I don't know. I won't talk about it too much because we'll get into all this on Thursday. But uh, And then Eagles-Bucks. Like, I shit on the game earlier just because, like, they're just not playing their best. But, I'm, you know, I talk all the time about chaos. That game's going to, excuse me, that game's going to be the definition of chaotic, I believe. So. As much as that game might be ugly, I'm about ready for what that. as chaotic as it was for the lights to go out here. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I'm actually ready for that game. I, it's I about do... that chaotic where it just blacks out. Yeah. No, I'm ready for that game. I do want to see it. I don't want to see it on Monday night. And I actually wish we had back-to-back triple, header, triple headers instead of a Monday night game. But I'm ready for it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm interested to see what your guys' awards are comparatively to like now for what we had preseason. So, uh, preseason, I can read, uh, do you want me to read off as we go through per each team about who had what? Um, so our peer per person, I should say. So Timmy, go through your awards right now, and then I will. Uh, afterwards, say what your awards were. You want me to run through all of them, or you want to just take so one defensive player of the year? What for defensive got? player of the year, I have TJ. Yeah, go defense. We'll go all. We'll go all the same. Okay. For DPOY, I have TJ Watt. Okay, and Kyle, who do you have for defensive player of the year? I'd agree with that. I would have TJ Watt as well. Uh, Honorable mention to Miles Garrett. Honorable mention to Deron Bland of the Cowboys. Yeah. But overall, I'll give it to TJ. 
Uh, he, him and J.J. Watt in our league club with, I think, what, 19-plus sacks. They're the only players to do it multiple times. Mm-hmm. Is that the stat I saw? So you got to kind of give it to him just based off that. How those two guys grew up in the same household and were both just elite of elite pass rushers, I don't fucking know, but props to them. How T.J. Watt might be better than J.J. Watt's crazy. Like, we don't know yet. Like, I'm going to give him more time, but, like, how T.J. Watt might be better than J.J. Watt is crazy. But, um, so for me, personally, my guy that I have, I do have Deron Bland. I, it was between him and Max Crosby for me. I think T.J. Watt is right there, too. Miles Garrett's right there, too. You can make even a case a little bit for Micah Parsons. Like, there's a lot of people who you could have a, big case for for me is Deron Bland you're filling in for Trevon Diggs and you do more than just fill in you become a guy who people are targeting a lot you've got five defensive touchdowns this season I think you've got 10 picks on the season like it's just it is such an incredible season for a corner especially uh, nine picks on the season it's a very incredible season for a cornerback so I I lean Deron Bland but TJ Watt absolutely could win it. No problems here. No questions asked. There's five people that could win it that I'm okay with. Alrighty. So next we'll go to offensive player of the year. Um, who do you guys have at offensive, offensive player, player of the year? Offensive player of the year, I have you? Christian McCaffrey. Kyle, how about you? I have the same. I have CMC. Uh, I probably would have picked Tyreek had he finish the season a little stronger he got injured he got banged up i actually thought he was probably the most important part to someone's offense just slightly more than cmc uh but overall i mean it seemed like every sunday you looked up cmc was either breaking one scoring like he was just doing it all so i agree with tim there cmc my hierarchies actually become Christian McCaffrey, C.D. Lamb, then Tyreek Hill, but Christian McCaffrey is my guy at one. I think C.D. I think with Tyreek Hill, there's a couple big moments this year where he hasn't came through that kind of like come to mind, like the Chiefs game, the big fumble that kind of flipped the game. Uh, even though it was a pass interference on the play, there was a couple drops from him the other from uh, last night's game that were kind of big, especially the one over the middle at the end of the game. I know he got kind of held on his shoulder and they called it, but he re- he could have easily caught that and could have gone for a touchdown. That flips that game completely. But I think that C.D. Lamb was a little bit more of a clutch receiver this year, which is why I'd probably lean him second. But Christian McCaffrey won 100% makes sense. Uh, defensive rookie of the year for you guys. Who do you I have? have Will Anderson. Yep. Uh, Kyle, do you have a defensive rookie of the year? Yeah, I had Jalen Carter, actually. Um, he seemed to be popping okay. off the screen a lot more the first eight to ten weeks of the season. Uh, <laughs> sounds like a sounds like a 2008 Verizon <laughs> default ringtone right there is what that sounds like. <laughs> No, I had to get to, I'm, I'm getting to my photos so I could see like what we had in comparison and then it just brought up like a collage of me in 2021 so it just had the cool music in the background I was like god dope but anyways get back to your award sorry with my uh, uh, Verizon yeah, no, ringtone on the Motorola Razor 
Yeah, no, it was Jalen Carter for me. Okay, mine was Will Anderson. I thought, especially at the way he performed at the end, towards the end of the season, I think he was really starting to become one of the best players on that defense. He's finally getting home. He was a lot of pressure this year, but he's finally getting home. So. Honorable. And your guys is coach of – oh, actually, sorry, hold on. Honorable, Honorable mention to uh, Devon Witherspoon. He was playing really, really well for the Seahawks. He's trying to bring in physicality to it, yeah. so I, I really like that from a corner. Yeah, absolutely. He definitely deserves consideration. He was playing a lot of good football throughout the year. Uh, I almost skipped offensive rookie of the year. Who do you have? Um, I actually really was thinking about this today, and I was thinking Puka, but you can't not give it to C.J. Stroud, so I have C.J. Stroud. But Puka breaking the rookie record, he just had a historic season, especially for such a late-round pick to do that is pretty incredible. But – I think the way CJ played got them to the playoffs. You got to give it to CJ. Absolutely, yeah. Puka, Kyle, how about you? In any in any other year, Puka is probably the most deserving. But yeah, CJ Stroud. At one time, we were asking, is he at least an MVP talk? So you got to by default give it to CJ here. But Puka is definitely very much deserving as well. I have co. I actually have co-rookie of the year, offensive rookie of the years between CJ and Puka. I think they should give it to both of them. I'm personally honest here. I think with Puka breaking the receptions and uh, yardage records uh, as a as a guy who really kept the season afloat, like he was just as um, not just as important as CJ, obviously, but he was a very important part. Cooper Cup went down. The Rams were winning some games in the beginning of the season because Puka was going nuts. He was actually – and then now if the Rams didn't have Puka and they had some – if they just had Demarcus Robinson as their number two, we wouldn't be thinking of them the same way as we are now. Like the fact that they have that one, two, our top three wide receiver duo in the league right now, top three to five, is making them a real chance uh, contender. So it's actually I think it should be Cope personally. But if they gave it to one – I've had chose one i guess i'd choose cj but i think it's actually crazy to think that matthew stafford has supported like three of the most memorable wide receiver seasons in the last 15 years with calvin johnson cooper cup and now puka going insane this year so pretty crazy that he was the quarterback for all three of those yeah true story absolutely because cooper's was crazy see uh Calvin Johnson is crazy as well. Uh, Coach of the year, who do you guys have? Coach of the year, uh, I'm going with Kevin Stefanski. You roll through four different quarterbacks before you finally find the one, and it's an aging Joe Flacco that they picked up off the couch and makes him look like better than he was in Baltimore, low-key. So um, I'm, I'm really intrigued on how this team operates in the playoffs. And, yeah. Kyle, how about you? Yeah, I'm going to steal from uh, from Keenan and give it Cole because in general it would probably be Stefanski. I think he did the best coaching job. Uh, but D'Amico Ryan's leading the Texans team who nobody had in the playoffs, so I'll give it to both him and Stefanski. But I think Stefanski did the best job. Like uh, Tim said, five quarterbacks. Was it five total in the end? Because it was Walker, uh, DTR, DTR, Deshaun, 
Deshaun. Flacco. Eventually they had to start. So yeah, four, four. Driscoll this week, but obviously they started they Driscoll yesterday. Flacco. Yeah. So yeah, four. So to go four and still be, you know, right in the thick of things in the division, mm-hmm. and still someone nobody wants to play. Nobody wants to play Cleveland right now. So yeah, no, Stefanski did an incredible job. And they lost Nick Chubb like week three. One of the and best pure Chubb. running backs Absolutely. of the league. They lose him. Yeah, probably their best offensive player. They lose him, lose their starting um, QB. Yeah, no, they did. It's amazing that they're where they are because most teams would have just folded. I have no objections to that. Mine is just D'Amico Ryan's by himself, though. Uh, reason being is before the season, I was a guy who was high on the Texans and had him at like six, seven wins. You know, I was one of the guys that were higher on him because I thought they were going to have a good defense. I thought that CJ was going to be decent, thought that he could be good enough, didn't really know with him. He's obviously way past everyone's expectations. But with the Browns, if the Browns made the playoffs this year before the season, it would have made sense. Obviously, the quarterback, that's when we thought Deshaun might be fine and the Nick Chubbs there and everything like that. So Kevin Stefanski did an amazing job. But the fact that the Texans did win the division. They got to 10 and 7. They uh, big plays, big coaching, and two of the games were without C.J. Stroud. They were able to sneak out a win without C.J. Stroud, which obviously kept them alive for the playoffs and alive for the division as well. I edge it to D'Amico. Slight hair. If Stefanski won it, no objections. We're fine with that. So either or, but I got D'Amico. If I had to pick one, I think it's slightly better job. Or same job, but I choose him. And then, lackluster. Who's your guys MVP? Um, I'm gonna go with the minus twenty thousand favorite Lamar Jackson. Um, you take away Mark Andrews, and they kept on chugging. Like they didn't. They lose Keaton Mitchell. They just keep on going. It really does show that Lamar. Yeah, J.K. Dobbins early. They lose Dobbins. him. Um, it just shows that with Lamar, this team can put up fifty on anybody, and that's crazy to think that you know. They got a real shot at the Super Bowl just because of Lamar. Um, and then obviously their defense is playing unreal. So, Yeah, yep. I mean. Kyle, how about you? Yeah, I mean, this game or this award was up in the air 15 weeks through the season. And then in week 16 and 17, Lamar truly went and took it. So, yeah, it's Lamar's. Lamar's going to be MVP for sure. Um, quickly. Before I get into just – actually, I'm just going to say Lamar first. It's Lamar Jackson. It was Lamar Jackson after the 49ers game, and then he just solidified it after being called not quarterbacky. Um, He just solidified it. So, But I did want to say quickly, congratulations to Michigan finally getting that uh, championship there, 34-13 win over Washington. Um, I now – like a 95% think that Jim Harbaugh is going back to the NFL. I think he did exactly what he went, came, went to Michigan to do, which was to capture a national championship. He's officially done that contractually. This like every, It's perfect timing. It's the perfect storm for him to go back, and there's a lot of job opportunities I think that are going to be open for him. So, And a little thing as a college football coach, you have a leg up on everybody, especially when you're a really good coach. You have a leg up because you now have the best – you're the best scout. 
you had to you had to scout all these guys and you're recruiting some of these other guys it's like so you already know what's coming in for like the next four years like you kind of understand like the market already so draft wise whatever team he goes to should be really good plus he's a very good coach we saw what he did in Sam Fran we just barely saw what he did with the Michigan squad there so congratulations to Michigan but that was a little quick aside yeah I mean I think it's a hundred percent he's coming uh Kyle Oh, I'll just respond to Harbaugh. I think it's, I think it's a hundred percent he's coming to the league because he hired an agent like a week or two ago. So, I think it's a foregone conclusion. Win or lose, he he's coming to the league. Part of me, part of me thinks yes, that he's so hiring the agent to test the waters and see what money they can give him because Michigan offered him this pretty lucrative deal, and the only deal with the deal was it's like a ten-year deal but he has to stay in college football for at least one more year. And then he can leave at any point. Doesn't have to. And they guarantee him a ton of money. So if Michigan's willing to pay him more than the NFL, I could see him going back, trying to repeat and really come out as like the number one candidate for coaching jobs. Interesting. So, Kyle, you have our Week 12 predictions that we had Wait. towards the end of the season. Did we you want to never oh, covered the Comeback Player of the Year award? This is the most important one, in my opinion. Oh, we, did. we, we didn't discover the Comeback Player of the Year award. Okay. Sorry, Tim. What is so, it? Who's my comeback, comeback Player of the Year is Joe Flacco. Sorry, I'm, I, 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 I apologize to DeMar. I get it. You know, he died, and now he came back to life to play football again. But did he really? I actually just looked it up. Can you guess how many snaps he played this year? 17. Six. Are you, a really? fo- are you a football player if you really only played 17 snaps? Like, I get it. He died. But, like, <laughs> I'm giving it to Joe Flacco. It's a better story to give it to Lamar, but – Joe Flacco is the real player here. He's really made an impact on his team. That's what comeback player of the year is for, is for somebody who got injured or maybe got out of it, and then when they came back, they made an impact. DeMar hasn't made an impact. He never made an impact. You know what his biggest impact was? He was the 12th man on the field during the Broncos game that cost him the game. That's the biggest impact he made this year. My apologies (laughs) to DeMar. That was great. That was great. Kyle, Kyle, you uh, please go. First off, let me just say, I think, well, I mean, I don't know. I don't know this, but I think DeMar Hamlin will win it just off of, like, you know, what happened and everything. As Tim said, he died and came back to life. Um, but complete agreement with Tim. I think it's got to be Joey Flacco. Uh, we did not. I mean, look, the first week he came back, I'm like, we get to bet against Joe Flacco. Like, he's coming off the couch after basically a season because i think he did start at the beginning of last season uh that's the game like or he didn't start necessarily but he came in for zach wilson led a 14 point comeback in two minutes like the most chaotic game of the, it was year. the best jets quarterback last yeah. year yeah and then so joins them in what week 10 week 11 week 12 even and just picks up the offense that's incredibly hard and was a factor like has legitimate chemistry with njoku has legitimate chemistry with amari cooper uh has us believing he could at least low-key make a Super Bowl run. Like, that's insane. That's fucking insane. I never would have expected it. Joe Flacco looked wash 
four years ago. That's that Jets game aside, he looked washed in Denver. He looked washed at the end of his Baltimore run. Uh, I feel like there was one team in between the Jets and Denver and all that, but each stop, I think Philly, he was there for a little bit. Each stop, he looked washed. Like he just was hanging on, like like Big Ben. But hey, his arm's still there. Uh, yeah, complete agreement with Tim. I think DeMar's going to win it, but if there's someone who actually took the field this year that deserves it, it's Joey Flacco. Joe Flacco should be the comeback player of the year, and it really shouldn't be close. Um, I completely understand the sentiment behind DeMar Hamlin because, again, he passed away on the field. They revived him. He is now healthy. He is great. I'm glad that he's on the sideline. I'm hopeful that he remains healthy, and hopefully he can get back to playing football on a consistent level. But, again, he did play only 17 snaps this season. So he wasn't really a player. He was just a comeback. He was just a come. He was a guy like, I'm just glad he came back to life. Like he wasn't a comeback NFL player this season. So Joe Flacco legitimately wasn't doing anything. And let me, let me give one. And we now believe that they're probably the second or third favorites in the Super Bowl. Let me give in the FCS. Yeah. 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 I mean, they're probably like fourth or fifth now if you gave it the odds, but I have more belief in the Browns and some teams. No, I mean, I just meant like if we're talking right now to win the Super, to go to the Super Bowl in the AFC, it would be the Ravens, the Bills, the Browns. That that's all I'm saying. Oh, I, thought, I didn't mean I odds. I, didn't mean odds I just meant if I you're you gonna. For, my bad. Maybe I heard you wrong because the Chiefs would probably be ahead of them. But yeah, I mean, if I said it wrong, if I said it wrong, I might have said. But Ravens, Bills, Browns, or Ravens, Browns, Bills. I, some people have the Browns above the Bills, but they're a top three team to get out of the AFC, in my opinion. So he has them there. Um, With DTR, they wouldn't be that. Yeah, I'll say, I mean, DTR looked okay, to be fair, before he left. But um, let me just say for DeMar Hamlin, to be fair to him, I wasn't even sure he'd ever play in the NFL again. So for him to go from that to 17 snaps... It is pretty deserving, but in the spirit of the award, in the oh, spirit I, of the award, it's definitely Flacco, but in general, in the most literal sense, like I said, like, I'm very surprised he played at all this year. Like, if you would have told me he came back around, you know, the time Joe Flacco came in, like week 12, if you told me DeMar Hamlin came back in week 12 and then played, I would have believed that more because he played early on in the season. So, yes, it's not much. He doesn't really have an impact on his team. That's correct, but... I mean, that's a miracle story and probably is, definitely is deserving of the award. So I'll say that. But yeah, I think Flacco should get some oh, sort of abso- award. Or he something. absolutely. Maybe he's got to get this. It makes 100% sense as to why DeMar Hamlin would get it. And it makes 100% sense. And I don't, as I disagree because I'm talking only foot, I'm talking literally on the field football wise. When you're talking about a guy who you were afraid he passed away, you were afraid he was never going to play again, like a Ryan Shazier situation where he actually never came back to play again. And then he actually took the field on 17 plays this year. Absolutely. He deserves it. And that's perfectly fine. But when it comes to actually playing, I would give it to Flacco. That's, that's all I was saying, but I don't want to make it sound like he yeah. doesn't. No, I think we're all in agreement. We, we all made, that, we all he made able, that same. That he's actually able to step on the field. We all made that same point. I was just saying in Demar's case. Miraculous that he was able to actually take step on the field. 
but yeah. Um, real quick, real okay. quick before we before we so, do our week. Did I miss on anything before we get into before this? Before we do our week twelve. Okay. Let's just uh, I just want to say because we'll go back to our uh, original predictions. I had Hurts for MVP. I had Sean Payton or Mike Tomlin winning Coach of the Year. I had B. John Robinson for Rookie of the Year, offensive, defensive Rookie of the Year. I had Christian Gonzalez, comeback Player of the Year. I had Demar Hamlin, and defensive Player of the Year. I had Micah Parsons as, and then offensive Player of the Year. I had Travis Kelsey. Um, I'll read through. Timmy, do you have? Do you want me to read through yours too, and then read uh, mine, you can or read do you them. have yours? That would be great. All right, so Timmy had um, Defensive Rookie of the Year as Jalen Carter, Offensive Rookie of the Year of Bijan, Defensive Player of the Year, Micah Parsons, Offensive Player of the Year, Tyree Kill, Coach of the Year, Robert Sala, MVP, Joe Burrow. Me, I had Will Anderson, Defensive Rookie of the Year. I had Bijan, Offensive Rookie of the Year. I had Sauce Gardner, Defensive Player of the Year. Adamon Ross St. Brown, Offensive Player of the Year. I had Zach Taylor as coach of the year. I had Joe Burrow as my MVP. So looks like I possibly got one right. Looks like Kyle. I mean, we all got to comeback player. I mean, I had DeMar Hamlin as comeback player of the year because it made sense um, for everything. But Kyle, Timmy might have gotten defensive rookie of the year right in um, Jalen Carter and then possibly I, uh, offensive player in Tyree Kill. But other than that, we are a little off. But that's okay. I thought I thought y'all had different <laughs> comeback player of the years before, but maybe not. Maybe not. Uh, I got my three. I don't remember who my comeback player of the year would have even been. I got my three bold predictions right here. Obviously, none of them I, I came could. true. Uh, one of them, yep. maybe almost. No, probably not. But I had Lamar 600 yards from scrimmage in a game. I don't know how close he got. I'm sure maybe like 450 was like close to it, maybe. Uh, I had a Micah Parsons eight yep. sacks game. That obviously did not happen. You know, these are bold predictions, not just predictions outright. Uh, and then I had... Khalil Mack had like a six or seven sack game, so that was close. He did. I, a player did that, but not obviously Micah. Indeed. And then I had one bench-clearing brawl. That unfortunately did not happen, so... I'm disappointed about that, but maybe next year. There's always next year, and there's still the postseason. Maybe we get one on Wild Card Weekend. There very much is the postseason. I don't see my bold predictions for some reason. I guess I didn't write them down. I remember. But I I remember one of mine was that Caleb Williams was going to recommit to USC. So far, he has not committed to the draft. He has not declared. Um, But he did sit against. He sat in their bowl game so he's pretty much gonna declare but it's not official yet and then i also obviously had the colts eliminating three teams and they did eliminate the bengals that was your week that was your week 12 prediction oh is that not this one i thought i made that for the end of the season from week 12 right Oh, yeah, we're we talking about no. We're talking about your like preseason. Uh, I had Derrick Henry fails to rush for one k yards. I remember that, and he got over. He's up to like eleven hundred. So that's the one I really remember. But man, I don't remember my bold predictions. We're getting old. 
What a loser I am. What? I got everything in the notes app. No, I just, I just, I knew, I usually have it written down on paper because I'm just such a paper and pencil guy. And I can't seem to find it, which is so unfortunate. But I was going to call you, I was going to call you old for that. And then the cough you had after reinforced my idea. You sounded mad old when you coughed for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) I really did sound old. I don't know what's going on with me over these last 30s. But yeah, man, that was, that was really old of me. I'm such a garbage human, man. Okay. Alrighty. All right. So we want to. <laughs> do we want to move on to week twelve? <laughs> Keenan might just die. If like, the power goes out, he's it. done. We've been joking. <laughs> yeah, like he just won't know when to breathe. Uh, it's it's gonna be bad. It's gonna be bad. Hopefully, hopefully, so, Danny's help there me. on standby. Uh, do we want to go into our week twelve predictions? And see how we matched up like we did after week yes. six and week 12. All right. I'll start with Tim because he already alluded yes. to him. Tim said that Jalen Hurts was going to end the season. This Again, this is after week 12. Going into week 13, we made these predictions for after week 18. Tim said Jalen Hurts would be the MVP. He said the Chiefs would be the one seed. He said the Texans would miss the playoffs. And that the Colts would beat the Steelers and eliminate them. Beat the Falcons and eliminate them essentially, and then beat the Texans in week 18 and eliminate them. Tim went back on the Texans-Colts one at least last week, so he ended up being right in the short term. Uh, Keenan, your predictions after week 12 was Dak would win MVP, that the Browns and the Bills would fall out of the playoff picture, and that the Broncos, Texans, and Steelers would get in. The Ravens would get the one seed. You were correct about that. And you also said for a bonus one that Aaron Rodgers would return. (laughs) I was, I was so hopeful on that one. No, I was so hopeful. I mean, he technically could have came back. He just decided to sit out. Oh, man. But, um, yeah, no, I thought the Broncos and Bills were going to – I thought the Browns and Bills were going to fall out, and then the Browns got Joe Flacco, so that changed my mind. And then the Bills were close. The Bills were close, and then they ended up becoming the two seed. But, yeah, they were a game away and a Jags loss away from not. But, yeah. Shout out to the Bills for getting the division. Good for them. Yeah, so I said that the Broncos and Bills would be the last two playoff spots in the AFC. Uh, turned out to be only the Bills. And then I guess only had one other one, which was that Christian McCaffrey would win MVP. Obviously, that's not going to be the case. I feel like I would have had three, but that's what I have written down, which is interesting let me go no there are some times where you just decide to only go with a couple and then you listen to the field i I don't know really it's like a thing that you do from time to time i feel like i usually have three for bold predictions you like you typically do because you like three or five or typically your two numbers that you like to go with but for sure yeah brevity let me see let me go back to week 12 and see if i have it written down um so Preseason wise to now, we've obviously we had our preseason predictions, we had our records and everything. Which team was the most surprising team for you this year? Oh wait. And if you want a I'm list out. of two or three. I found oh, sorry. I found my uh I found a couple of my predictions. Or was this this might have been my old one. <laughs> Never mind. Nope. 
No, yeah, all right, never mind. I think that was my old one. I had one that said there will be a serious injury that affects the playoff picture by week 13, but I think that was my prediction coming out of week six because it also says Falcons turned to Heineke, and that must have been an early one. That wouldn't have been week 12. So, yeah, I guess I only gave two. Yeah. Okay. Um, so biggest surprise team for you guys this year, Timmy, you can start. three. And yeah, you can go based on place. record, um, I'm just going to focus on teams that outperformed what I expected them to do. The three teams are the Buccaneers, the Colts, and the Texans. All three of those teams were playoff team or fringe playoff teams. They at least all had a shot in Week 18 to make it to the playoffs. Um, I predicted a combined six wins between all three of those teams, so they really did outperform what I was expecting, so. Oh man, yeah. you're a hilarious guy. Wait, also, hold on. No, you had the AFC Loaded. East like having wins. everybody. No, I had the Patriots record. at five and twelve, but the... I had three ten or. Oh, you had the Patriots. Uh, yeah, AFC East. we got two of them. Yeah, you had the AFC East loaded. Yeah, the AFC East loaded. That's right. All right, uh, Kyle, do you have a biggest surprise team for this year in the NFL? Uh-huh. A couple of them you can go with. Yeah, I mean, I think I think everyone would have the Texans there. Uh, the Colts, too, as well. I expected less out of the Colts. I expected less out of the Bucks. So, I mean, it'd be similar to Tim. I think overall everyone surprises the Texans, I would say. Um, Steelers surprised me. Um, and honestly, I mean, if you're going by my preseason predictions – I had a very competitive league all around. Like, I didn't really have a team that stuck out. Like, I think my highest wins might have been 12 with the Eagles. And, like, even the Cowboys I had at 11. I had a few teams at 11. I think I even had the Niners at 11. The Chargers at 12. I got the Chargers at 11, actually. Just I only know that just because I looked. Oh, I thought you had them at 12, and that's why he was your coach of the year. But I I might have. Oh, that was Mm -hmm. the funniest one was me having Staley as coach of the year and then getting fired. I got one of those right at least, but he was DOA. Um, yeah, man, there was a lot of surprises. I mean, the Chiefs were kind of surprising even even though I think I had them in that bowl. I had them struggling this year, but um, yeah, I had a much more competitive league and overall it kind of was still a competitive league, but I did not expect the Niners to run away with this season the way they did uh, and certainly the Ravens. But overall, I would say the biggest surprise would be the Texans. Um, to me, I think the Texans have to be there, and tied with them would be the Rams. I did not think the Rams would be. True. If we would have told me week before the season started that we're talking about the Rams as a uh, dark horse to get to the Super Bowl, I thought you were crazy. So I had, I had them 7-10, and 10 and I – that was like me giving them a couple wins of just them having a Matthew Stafford and Sean McVay. I didn't, they would have not shocked me if they went five and 12 this year. And it started that way. They started like, they looked like they were going to be a six and 11 team and credit to them. Matthew Stafford became a top five quarterback playing wise and they turned it around and they're as live as anybody in the NFC to go get the super, get to the Super Bowl. So shout out to the Rams. And obviously the Texans were, it surprised me. I meant six wins. I wanted to put them at more, but ended up having them at six wins, and so they won the division. 
What do you mean you wanted to have them at more? Um, if you remember before when we were talking about in the predictions, I was like, I want to believe more in this team. I really was like, I really liked what they had defensively. I thought they had a lot of pieces defensively. And with D'Amico Ryan going there as a defensive guy, I thought that they were going to be a very good team defensively. But I didn't know what they were are good to very goodish. But I didn't know what they were going to be offensively. So I didn't end up be I wasn't able to give them the wins that I thought I could. There was a couple games where it was back and forth because I go through and mark every single game. There was a couple games that were back and forth, and I was like, I don't know if they have the offense to get through this game, hmm. and they ended up doing it. So. It was a team that I would have loved to have like just gone out on that kind of limb more so and put them at eight and nine ish, but I ended up ended up with six and eleven. Okay, word. Oh man, yep. I was just looking at my uh, the teams who I had in. Uh, is there any other point you guys want to touch on? Yeah, I was just saying I was looking at my teams that I had in the playoffs. Oh, you're looking for your prior. Uh, had some hits, obviously had some misses too. Uh, I do have. I do have a couple of cool stats for you guys. One being, this is the 34th consecutive okay. year. Every season since playoff expansion to, went to 12 games in the 1990 season, that at least four teams were new playoff teams. So each year since 1990, you get four new teams in the NFL. That's extreme parity. That's insane. It's because everything changes so much year to year. So, like, next year they're going to be four new teams. I mean, honestly, you could count – you can almost semi-predict some of them, like kind of. Like, the Bengals didn't make it this year. You would assume they'd make it next year. That would technically count as one. Uh, You never know with the Jags. Possibly they turn up. That could be another one. I mean, then there's always teams that we don't expect. There's a team or two that, like, shock you. The Bears could be a team that could shock you. Uh, if the Vikings find out a couple more pieces, they could be a team that gets up there. Uh, the Jets, if they do find the answer at quarterback, and maybe it's Aaron Rodgers. Like, there's so many teams that possibly could sneak their way into the playoff picture that weren't there this year. So, it's not shocking, but it is shocking at the same time. Like, it's just such a weird thing. But at the same, when you look at this league, you're like, oh, okay, I get how there could be four other teams. I mean, the Colts almost made it this year too, so. You could see how there's other teams, but that's a fun stat. Yeah, I mean, I would say, I mean, if you would have told me maybe 16 years in a row, I could see that. But the fact that, you know, literally since 1990, you can book that four teams are going to be out. That's pretty insane to me. I never would have. I never would have guessed that. The length of it's definitely the length of it's definitely surprising. I see it more in today's NFL, but you would think with how many teams were like kind of almost set in stone for really good teams in like the early 2000s, mid 2000s, you would have expected less of that. So you're right in that sense. Another interesting stat. This one is specific to pro football focus. Um, But just to keep in mind for this weekend's games, Dak Prescott versus teams that are picking in the top 10 of the NFL draft this year, his pro football focus passing grade is a 92 against playoff teams it's 73 substantially How is that? do you know what the stats are for Tua cuz i know he's very similar in that category i don't i just happened to stumble upon that stat today on twitter thought it was interesting and uh 
you know, copied the link. The one I did hear about Tua today, though, was his fourth quarter EPA. I'm not going to get all the names right, but he was grouped with, it was him, I believe Baker Mayfield, but the other guys were like Mac Jones, Zach Wilson, uh, guys you don't want to be grouped with. It was like all guys who either lost their job or are unquestionably the worst among the worst in the NFL and Tua. So Baker might have been in there. He might not have been, but for sure it was Tua and Zach Wilson and Mac Jones. Those three I can give you for sure. AFC East holding it down. <laughs> yeah, I guess so, right? <laughs> Elite QB category right there. Uh, and I also want to say, I mean, my... Uh, did you have any other stats? Nothing for stats, but uh, very interesting. I kind of mentioned it earlier. The least turnover I've seen in a long time for Black Monday. Like, it was literally just Arthur Smith and Ron Rivera. And we got Arthur Smith last night after the uh, after the Sunday night game. Um, all kinds of news yesterday. Everyone's saying it's Belichick's last game. Like, that was, like, the biggest story of Sunday, aside from the clinching games. And then today he actually answers questions to the media, says he would love to come back, said he would relinquish power, basically put all the power in Kraft's hands to trade him, fire him, or bring him back. So I thought that was very interesting. Um, Just shows you how much the media, at least in the case of New England, does not know anything because everybody was was reporting him gone. There was going to be a split. And he comes out this morning and basically says the opposite and puts it all in Kraft. So... That's something to watch, obviously, as Patriots fans going forward this offseason. We'll probably know more in a couple days after they meet. But I thought that was very interesting that he, A, was actually truthful and honest with the media as far as his contract goes and as far as the situation goes. So I thought that was interesting. I don't know how much confidence I have in him relinquishing his duties, but I do like that he was honest about everything. Well, I mean, he said it in the beginning. I have that's something Belichick wouldn't yeah, I mean, but give you in the past. I feel like that's a really hard I, thing to. I just it's really hard it. from a team perspective to deal with that because if he does whatever he gives up from powers when he says relinquish powers like that, it's hard to like get the players to buy into the new coach that's leading you while Bill Belichick is still there. Like if he was to re- remain the defensive coordinator and somebody else came in to do the offensive scheme and even head coach it, it would just be really hard time uh, with Bill there. So I don't know how well. Well, I think he meant like GM. I think he meant more so as I think he meant relinquishing okay. the GM. If that's the case, and staying at, yeah, staying I would coach. agree that most of his GM moves are not, um, Definitely not offensive minded. They don't seem like like it sounds like Ezekiel Elliott was like one of his best signings in recent years, and he hasn't even had that great of a season. So, <laughs> it it I'm gonna be interesting. To, it's gonna be interesting to see if that does hold true if he does stay, and how much confidence your next general manager has, or how the feel the need he feels to run by. Bill Belichick. It'd be like going into managing a store or managing a place where the manager is now the assistant manager and has been there for 30 years. So you already have a so you already have a system in place and you already and you still have that guy who has the system in place, but you're trying to implement your own system. And it's like, oh, that's not how Bill did it, but then Bill's still there. So it'll be interesting to it it's kind of a weird 
situation. I don't fully know how it's going to go. I'm just going to sit back, play, let it play out, and then react to it as it does. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely interesting. I mean, I've kind of mentioned it on here before. It seems like, obviously, I don't fucking work for the organization or anything, but they've always had GMs in title, you know? Um, I think where it's different with Bill is they've given him more autonomy. Like, he definitely... I mean, all coaches have power to, like, cut, release players, da-da-da, but he's had a little more say in staff than you would, uh, maybe a little more... I don't know. I really don't know what... I mean, we've never really gotten clarity on what it is that Bill has more of, but, I mean... Nick Casario was the uh, de facto GM during the second dynasty run. So, yeah, it's very interesting. It'll, uh, it should be tons of fodder for uh, Boston media and such. But I don't know. I'm hoping that quiets down before it gets loud again. Yeah. I'm, I'm not, to be honest with you, um, I'll worry about the Bears saga, the Patriots saga, the all that stuff. February 10th. Don't care about it right now, personally. I'm like, I want to fast forward to Thursday because I want to give these predictions and everything out and then just fast forward to Saturday. Like, I'm that excited for the NFL playoffs right now. And I'm really, I'm really excited to see who both your guys' Super Bowl representatives are, who your Super Bowl champion is. Shout out Brandon Petty, who his Super Bowl champion is and his representative. So I'm, I'm really, really interested to see where you guys are going to go with this because I have an idea. I kind of have an idea for the both of you where I take, like, I kind of obviously think ahead, but I don't know. So I have an idea where both of you are going to go, but I don't know. True story. Uh, True is there story. any no, other topics, comment, crew, comic concerns that anybody has on the day? Or are we, are we good to get out of here? Sign off. Uh, I would just say to the both of you, if you didn't know, I mean, Keen, I mean, we were doing this before. There was a podcast, but three bold predictions. Add that to your predictions list for Thursday, uh, and that's it. Yeah, if you guys want to do Super Bowl MVP, if you want to add that, whatever. But you know brackets I always do teams all that i can't wait it's probably one of our most fun shows of the year is our nfl postseason predictions show so yeah i'm ready for thursday the prediction like shows typically too. are for sure for sure i can't wait yeah. i can't wait listen this was the warner brothers podcast this was kyle this was keenan this was tim gray we will be back thursday as we said with all the predictions all the banter. It's going to be a fun show. Y'all are going to love it. Uh, any parting words, fellas? Or are y'all good? Listen, catch I'm the out. Warner Brothers podcast on YouTube, on TikTok, on Instagram. Catch me and Keaton on Live Take, debating the NFL playoffs as well. We'll see you Thursday. Black man.